Over the next few weeks, we're going to be finishing off 1 Peter chapter 2. And uh, today we'll be looking at 11 to 25, but I'm going to read 1 Peter chapter 2 from verse 11 through to verse 25. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God, show proper respect to everyone, love the brotherhood of believers, fear God and honour the king. Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and endure it, this is commendable before God, and to this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Let's just pray. Father, we do thank you for your presence here with us as we've worshipped you. We thank you for the revelation you've brought through different members of the church here. We thank you for the way that it has built our faith and encouraged us. Now as we look at these words, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and feed our spirits, feed our souls, feed our minds, Stir our hearts, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we're just looking at verses 11 and 12. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Now, we've been looking at 1 Peter in various sections (coughs) over the last 15 months or so. And it is just possible, just, that one or two of you may not remember the preceding sermons that we've had from 1 Peter chapter 1 through to chapter 2. It's just possible. I mean, it's it's conceivable, isn't it, that one or two of you will not. So I'm just going to run very, very quickly over what we have done. (coughs) <coughs> 1 Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 1, he's speaking to God's people. He's not speaking to the world out there. He's speaking to those who know God, 
people who have become what in our terms are Christians and uh, who've surrendered to the cross and they've come to understand all that Tom was speaking about earlier, which were three points. This is how quickly you remember sermons. First one was God is... You're not expecting me to remember it, are you? <laughs> God, is, your God is Yahweh, King of the cosmos. That's right. The second one was, your turn now. <laughs> We're all God's children. And the third one was, God has done it all. That's fundamentally what 1, 1 Peter chapter 1 was all about. Or put another way, there is a good God. And <laughs> it's worth remembering that our God is good. Because the people we meet day in, day out, if they believe in a God, mostly they don't believe in a good God. You talk to, you talk to people about their God, and he is not a kind, generous, and compassionate God. Our God is. We have a good God. He has created a beautiful world for us to live in. That is true, isn't it? I'm just keeping you awake, you know, just asking you questions. You respond back with yes, etc. Thank you. He's created a beautiful world for us to live in, but he's also made us accountable to him. So we're going to have to stand before God, and uh, he's going to ask us questions. What did you do? We're going to have to explain. And we're going to have to explain that we've failed. We cannot keep God's high moral standard. We couldn't do it, and we failed, and we can't make it right. But God sent Jesus Christ to fulfill God's plan to rescue humanity. And in Jesus' death, resurrection, ascension into heaven, we can know by coming to God and saying, we are sorry, we turn our lives around to trust you for the forgiveness and the, that we need, for the healing our souls need. We can know forgiveness, not because what we do, but because what God has done. That's all clear, isn't it? And then we come to <coughs> where we are today. And Peter is going to talk about, well, he, first of all, he talks about the privileges um, in chapter one and in the first um, chapter two. Um, gosh, I have to read my notes one day. Um, chapter two, four to ten. And the privileges are that we are a chosen people. Now that doesn't mean much until I stand up here and say, suppose next week Rebecca comes up here to give the notices and says, from the following week, we are going to have a flower arrangement on the stage each week. And I am going to choose someone to arrange those flowers. Now I know Many of you will be sitting there thinking, choose me, choose me, choose me. Others of you will be thinking, when Pete come, King comes up here and says, we are going to have a football team and I am going to choose the people. You'll be sitting there thinking, choose me, choose me, choose me. Imagine what it would have been like to have been there before the creation of the world to have seen this glorious God, magnificent in being, 
shining brighter than the midday sun. Glorious. Fire, lightning, majesty and glory. And him saying, as you stood there, I'm going to choose some children. You're going to be sitting there thinking, choose me, choose me, choose me. I want you to be my father. You are so perfect, so magnificent, so wonderful. I want you. Please choose me, choose me, choose me. But God did that for you. If you know Jesus, he chose you. Now the funny thing is, I think some people think, well, it's all right for you, Dave. You were chosen 40 years ago. I've only been chosen last week. So it's like, was God looking around thinking, right, I've got a bit of a crowd, uh, need a few more. I better add in one or two others. And so we've got this lot that have been Christians for a long time, and we'll cho- we just need a few others to up the numbers. And so, oh, you're over there, yeah, you better come. And uh, you're there, you better come, you're there, yeah, come, come. No, God chose us before the creation of the world. We don't understand God. He's too vast. He's too big for us. But somehow before the foundation of the world, he chose each and every one of us. We were all chosen at the same time. As we work it out in life, we come to know him in different times. But the privilege is we are chosen. We are a royal priesthood. Let's face it, that means virtually nothing to most of us, does it? (laughs) Because most of us don't have much to do with the priesthood. But over the years... In the 2,000 years that the New Testament has been written, that would have been so precious to some people. The thought of being able to serve a king or a queen. No one ever got near them. They never came and visited. That would have been precious. But we are a holy nation. A people belonging to God. There is in the earth today a people that are God's people from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. And in this room, there are people from many different tribes, tongues, peoples, and nations. And we are that holy people. So Peter has talked about the privileges that we have as Christians. And now he's going to talk about the responsibilities. He's going to urge us, but he begins... Dear friends, see, Peter's not going to talk to us like a head teacher. Now, I say that because most of us in this room will, will, will still have a slight tingle if I say, you remember when the head teacher called you to his office? And no matter what it was for, you still thought you were going to get told off. That was... Unless you were real goody-goody-goody, of which there are very few in this room. (laughs) There's one or two, but most of us were not too like that. I certainly wasn't. (laughs) Marlon was often at the head teacher's (laughs) office. This is not a head teacher saying, sort your life out. It's not a general of an army saying, come on, sort your life out. 
This is someone who is a friend. This is someone who loves you. This is Peter speaking to a church that he loves and saying, dear friends, I urge you. Dear friends, I want to I push you to win. I want you to turn around and just say to the people next near you, I want you to win. And Peter is saying, dear friends, I urge you, I encourage you, I want to push you on because I want you to be winners. I'm on your side. And I want you to see the bigger picture than just what happens to you all on your own in your daily life. So he says to them, I urge you, dear friends, As aliens and strangers in the world, foreigners and exiles, he reminds them, dear friends, we are different from the world around us. We are a holy nation. We are a people chosen by God. The world around us is not like us. Most of the people in your offices, most of the people in your colleges, in your schools, your, your neighbours, we know they're not like us. And he says to us, as foreigners and exiles, who pe people who don't know the rules here, who don't want to live by the rules here, we want to express God's kingdom here on the earth. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens, aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Just going to go for a response here. Just want you to put your hands up if this week you know you have faced a temptation to do something that God doesn't want you to do. Just want you to put your hand up. <laughs> Great. I love a good response. <laughs> there is a war going on to, to bring you down. My one this week, or one, <laughs> one of my ones, the one that I'm willing to share. <laughs> the war for me has been in my mind. The war for me has been negative thoughts coming and there's been a sort of, you know, sometimes you, you, you go down a train of thought and there's just something delicious just about fiddling with it in your mind. If this went, if this went like this, I would do this. And then you suddenly realise that actually you've just provoked World War Three because your thoughts have suddenly go further and further and further and further and further and further down. And I just need, no, hang on a minute. 
God, what am I preaching on this Sunday? Oh, to abstain. That means stop from sinful desires that wage war against your soul. I'm not meant to do this. I'm meant to stop. But what sort of things are sinful desires? Because obviously, you could be sitting there thinking, and it would be true, shooting people is a fairly sinful desire. Um, Stealing is a fairly sinful desire. Very few of us would put down overeating as a sinful desire. But how many of us, when we're under pressure, think, oh, actually I just need some comfort food. It's so much more tasty than praying. It's so much more tasty than going, God, actually, I'm not feeling great here. I need your help. So actually, I'll just, I'll just have some chocolate because that's so much easier than praying. All I have to do to get chocolate is to walk out the house, go to the shop, spend some money, bring it back to the house, hope it hasn't melted, unwrap it and eat it. Whereas to pray, I could have sat down and said, God, I need help. Or maybe it's you're a shopaholic and you comfort shop. Maybe it's in the relationships you have with people. And you just think, I'm feeling a bit down. I know who I talk to. For a man, it might be she's attractive, she's comforting. Shouldn't really be sharing this with her. Shouldn't the girl shouldn't be sharing it with him. And you're just being slowly drawn along, drawn along. And then you feel guilty. And Peter says, abstain from sinful desires which wage war on your soul. Jesus faced temptation, Paul faced face temptation, you and I face temptation. The temptation comes from the world we live in, comes from the devil attacking us, and it comes from what's within us as we want things that we shouldn't have. And it's a war to bring you down. It's a war to stop you winning. It's a war to make you feel guilty. It's a war to make you feel shamed. It's a war to make you feel like you're not worthy for God. It's a war to prevent you coming and seeking his face. It's a war. And wars are not nice things. Wars have very few rules. And Peter says, let's abstain from them. And then he goes on. starts, dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. And then he says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. London has suffered 
in the last two or three weeks. And what London needs more than anything else is a whole army of people living good lives, living excellent lives, living lives full of love, bringing lives that are full of hope, lives that are great deeds. And rather than giving in to the sinful desires, Peter is saying, hey, abstain from those, live good lives. Think about what you can do to help the people around you. You're feeling miserable. You're feeling alone. You're feeling lost. Well, what can you do to make someone's life better? Instead of dwelling on what's wrong with your life, look for how you can improve someone else's. How can I help? Live such good lives among the pagans. And there are so many people in London at the moment who just doing a very little thing for will change their lives. A word of encouragement in the office. I thought you did that really well. Thank you for just helping me. Even just a simple gift. Sometimes just a... My, um, <coughs> my daughter's partner, he is so... He's been really affected by this fire in the flats. And just to help him. To be able to bring some comfort to him. Just to say, you know, I know you're really feeling it. And that so shows such a loving heart. I wouldn't say it quite like that to him, but your sympathy is so admirable. Your empathy is. And London needs a whole army of people at the moment who are doing good to one another. And it needs an army that is going to do it not just this week, but also next week and the following week and the following week. Because the news will unfortunately die down, but the effects of the recent events in London will last for some people for the rest of their lives. And we must bear that in mind. We must be those who are able to look at the world <laughs> in the long term, and not just what the news throws at us and fills our minds with. But Peter says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. See, increasingly, we live in a world that doesn't like us as Christians. 
And they don't, don't like us because they don't really understand us. Now, in Peter's day, they were accused of all sorts of things. Paul was accused of destroying trade, the silversmiths of Ephesus. They were sometimes accused of uh, cannibalism because they ate the flesh and blood of Jesus because they were misunderstood. And the world misunderstands our message. Our message is we love everybody but we disagree with many. We disagree because we believe God is a good God and a moral God and we are accountable to him to live in the way he wants us to and the world wants to live in a completely opposite way and we can't judge them for that because I was like that before I became a Christian I lived an interesting life now I'm a Christian I live a very interesting life <laughs> I wanted to please myself. I wanted to enjoy myself. It was all about me. Now I want to be all about God. I want to be following Jesus. And following Jesus puts me at odds with what the world believes. But following Jesus leads me to love the world. Love the people. Love the individuals. And you know what? They may accuse us of doing wrong. But the good deeds they can't deny. And one of the interesting things over the recent years with the government <coughs> is it loves what the church is doing in Britain. It loves the debt counselling. In a sense, it loves and hates the food banks. It loves it that we're doing it. They hate it that we talk about it and show there's a need for it. <laughs> they love that we run so many of the parent and toddler clubs. They love that we give so much to society. But time and time again, they come to us and say, yeah, please do all that. Oh, but don't mention Jesus, because he's sort of irrelevant to it. And it'll upset and it'll offend and we don't want to be linked with that. Our heart cry is, <laughs> we're only doing this because of Jesus. I wouldn't be giving money so that we can do what we do if I wasn't a Christian. And some people think we're stupid the way we give our money. But we know that we are serving God in it. We know that we are promoting the God who loves humanity. They may see our good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. That's an interesting, the last bit, glorify God on the day that he visits us. It could mean two things. One is when, God, when Jesus comes again, the world will have to say, oh, now I know what Christians were doing. Man, they did a good job. Oh, and I never responded. 
The other is that when they find Jesus for themselves, as so often happens, you hear the story. Yeah, I disagreed with you, but you kept loving me. You kept talking to me. You kept caring for me. And actually, those are the things that won me to know Jesus. Peter is looking for us to be those who take hold of our privileges as the chosen people of God. But then fight to remain those who are pure and holy in the way that we live our lives. And out of that purity and holiness, by abstaining from the sinful desires, we live lives that are so good, people will listen to our message. And for us in London, we need an army, as I've said, who are living such good lives. Let's just stand. I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit, I, just, I ask you to come now. Lord, earlier on, you spoke through Daniel saying that we, wanted, we needed to position ourselves to hear you today. And as we stand before you now, we want to position ourselves to hear from you again. We want to open up our hearts, open up our minds and say, Holy Spirit, come and speak. Come and speak to us. Come and remind us that we are the chosen people of God. We are forgiven. Our shame is gone. We have been washed clean and we've been thrown into a battle. And part of that battle comes from within us, our own desires to do what we want to do, to live as we want to live, to make the choices that we want to make rather than following you step by step by step putting our own lives to death so we might walk in the life of Jesus. And we ask you now that you will pour out your spirit upon us, that we would know more power and more motivation to abstain from sinful desires that war against us, looking to bring us down. I pray too, Holy Spirit, that you will come now and empower us to live good lives. Lives that delight you, lives that please you, lives that celebrate you, lives that glorify you, but lives that speak to the world in which we live. And they see the good deeds, they see the consistency, they see the love. They see an unknown power within us. And they have to say, surely, there is a God in heaven. Yes. 